And now, Thriller Thursdays on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 18 Jack tried telephoning Roger Mayfield first, which I told him was a waste of time, but he argued that Mayfield was still his employer and was the closest thing that either of us had to a reason to pursue this case beyond the motivated self-interest of not wanting to be stuck in the middle of an open murder investigation and a general desire not to look like a pair of public jackasses. It was an interesting point. Interesting, but futile. When he called from the drugstore, Jack was told that Mr. Mayfield was in a meeting and would he please try again later. By the time we got to the payphones in the lobby at City Hall, Mr. Mayfield was out of the office and would be for the rest of the day. Jack said the response was frosty, rapid fire, and came the moment that he had said his name. Word had clearly gone out that Jack Justice was persona non grata, which sounded about right. We took the directory for the city planner's office and headed up the elevator to the 4th. The hope was that by moving quickly, the girl at the desk would never associate the visitors with the man who called a moment ago. I hoped this argument held because the building was full of cops and Miss Dixon had seen about enough of them lately. I took the lead when we walked in the office. There was a central reception desk and a small maze of office doors beyond. Mayfield didn't even have his own secretary. How important could this guy be? I smiled my polite but not dazzling smile. There was no need to dazzle the help. Indeed, it would only attract the wrong kind of attention. Can I help you? The woman asked me with a tight, forced civil service smile. I wonder if I could speak to Roger Mayfield, please, I asked. She eyed me suspiciously for a moment. Do you have an appointment? She asked. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I just popped in. Is that terrible? I smiled again. His wife Anne and I went to school together, and I just wanted to say hello. And your name? She asked, lifting the receiver. Brisk but polite. Tim's, I said. Janet Tim's. Roger Mayfield came out ten seconds later at a trot with his eyes spinning in counterclockwise circles. He looked at me without comprehension and Jack saved him before he could say something stupid. Mr. Mayfield, he said with his best brush salesman's manner. Ray Green, we spoke on the phone. Janet said she was going to stop in and I thought I'd come with. You don't mind, do you? Mayfield was ashen-faced, but he kept it together. No, that's fine, he said. It's not nice to see you both. I only have a few minutes. Of course, I said, turning the smile up several degrees, mostly for the benefit of the girl at the desk. I'd love to see your office, though. That seemed to move things along. Mayfield was still in a malleable state, but that wasn't going to last for very long. He led us down a hallway and into a door that was farther apart than most of the others, which I took to mean it was a little bigger. The room looked comfortable and neat too put together for a guy like this to have done himself. I wondered if Anne Mayfield had done it up for him, or if it was handled by the woman at the desk. She didn't look like the office squeeze type, but Mayfield didn't look much like a Lothario, so maybe you can't always tell. The door closed behind us. What are you playing at? Mayfield hissed at Jack, his voice low, suggesting that the walls were not exactly soundproof. You wouldn't take my call, sir, Jack said simply. I am trying to keep things quiet and not attract attention, Mayfield said. No, Jack said with a shake of his head. If you were doing that, you'd have taken my call and talked to me quietly. What you were doing was ducking me, and that attracts more attention. You told the girl at the desk that you were not in for any calls from a Jack Justice, didn't you? How often do you do things like that? Hardly ever, he admitted quietly. Hardly ever, Jack nodded. 
You're in the middle of something pretty terrible, sir, and I am sorry for that. But you're under the impression that if you pretend everything is normal, it will be. And I don't see it playing out that way. This is being handled, he said. Janet's death isn't even in the papers. Jack and I exchanged a look. Yes, sir, we noticed that. But just because the police are playing with kid gloves today doesn't mean you're in the clear. I spoke to the police. I told them everything, Mayfield said, drawing himself up to his full height. Jack nodded. I hope so, sir, he said. It'll make it easier to remember when you tell it to me. Mayfield bristled. Why should I, he asked. Because you're my client, Jack said, and I can't act on your behalf if I don't know what you want. If you keep me in the dark, I'm likely to blunder into something you'd rather I kept out of. And none of us wants that, sir. Mayfield thought about that. He didn't agree, but he thought about it, and that was something. Does the name Jimmy Lish mean anything to you, Jack asked. Mayfield blinked. Lish, he said. He went out with Janet for a while, a photographer, I think. Sort of, Jack nodded. Also a blackmailer. Mayfield swallowed hard. Lish, he said weakly. What are you doing snooping around Jimmy Lish anyway? You told me to, sir. Jack's words were conciliatory. But his voice was as cold and gray as stone. You hired me to find your blackmailer. Lish, Mayfield said again. How did he know about Janet and me? I never even met the man. I don't know, sir, Jack said, but it seems likely that he found out from Miss Timms. Roger Mayfield set his jaw hard and blinked back tears that seemed to come quite suddenly. No, Mr. Justice, uh, Janet would never do that. She hated Lish, hated him for things he made her do. She told you about that, Jack asked. Mayfield started like he had been slapped. This was getting to be too much for him. He was holding his act together with both hands, but it wasn't going to keep. You talked to Lish, Mayfield asked. Lish is dead, Jack said simply. Roger Mayfield wobbled on his feet and turned ashen. I thought that he might faint. Lish, he asked. Dead? Yes, sir, Jack said grimly. Somebody tossed his place and shot him dead. Tried to burn it, too, but didn't make a proper job of it. The cops will be days sorting through Lish's files, but it looks like if there was anything there that proved a link to Miss Timms or yourself, it was taken. Taken? Mayfield still seemed startled. Yes, sir, Jack said, by someone who knew what they were looking for. Roger Mayfield stood quietly for a moment, lost in thought. Then there isn't any proof that it was Lish who sent me the picture, he said. You don't know that it was him. No, sir, Jack said. But the police know that you suspected blackmail, and they know that your girlfriend is dead, and her blackmailer ex-boyfriend is, too. And they may not think much of me, but they know that I didn't do it. So even if they had actually crossed you off their list of suspects, which I doubt, you're back on it now. We just have a few more questions, sir. Mayfield stared into the middle distance. Jack looked at me. I wondered what you could tell us about the Long Branch Expressway, sir, I said. Specifically the decision to reroute it through the Riverton area. Mayfield stared at me as if he had just noticed me for the first time. What? he said blankly. The Riverton route, sir, I repeated. It seems a little counterintuitive. I wondered if you could tell us where the idea had its genesis. Who are you? Mayfield said, suddenly horrified. My associate, Miss Dixon, Jack said simply. Trixie, please, I said. The... the other desk, Mayfield said, slowly filling in the gaps for himself and constructing a much more believable story in the process. The second desk in your office. You didn't mention... No, sir, Jack said. What can you tell us about the new route? It... 
It isn't new, Mayfield said. It was a possibility from the earliest feasibility reports. Yes, sir, I said, but now it's the top dog. Can you tell us how that happened? Mayfield blinked several times. He looked like he was prepared to bolt from the room. What on earth does this have to do with Janet and I? We don't know, sir, I said, but there has been some pretty serious influence wielded on your behalf in the last couple of days, keeping this out of the papers and all. Mayfield looked from me to Jack and back again. It seemed to us that the only thing you do that's big enough to merit that kind of attention is the Long Branch Project, I continued, and the biggest news in the Long Branch Project is the Riverton route. If there are interested players that powerful, Jack explained, you might be in some danger and not know it. Danger? Mayfield almost broke out laughing, but his eyes were full of panic. The only danger I'm in is the fool of a private detective I hired blowing this. His voice trailed off and he looked at me with new consideration. You said your name was... Dixon? I nodded. We were blown, and there is no point trying to cover it now. Mayfield looked at Jack. The policeman said that you were shooting at another private detective when Janet died, named Dixon. Jack said nothing. Why would you be shooting at your own partner, Mayfield blinked. How much time do you have, Jack said with a shrug. Mayfield whipped his head around to me. Who are you working for, he snapped. Now, I said, nobody. And when Janet was murdered? Another interested party, I said. Get out of here, Mayfield said in a voice that must have carried to the next office in spite of his care. Get out of here and don't come back, you hear me? You're off the case, finished. We stepped out into the hall and he closed the door behind us as quickly as he could. Think he's calling his playmates, I asked. Jack shook his head. Building security first, he said. Let's get out of here. He knows who's pulling the strings around here, I said as we walked down the hall, interested onlookers peeping out of their offices like timid dormice. Did you hear him say this was being handled? I heard him, Jack said. He knows, I said. He knows something, Jack said. He doesn't know who killed his girlfriend, but he has a general idea of who's going to kill him if he doesn't get a lid on this, and fast. We left the city planner's office and headed for the fire stairs rather than meet our escort at the elevator. I pushed the door open with my hip and paused a moment, considering something. We're dead, aren't we? I asked without emotion. Yeah, Jack said, very. We walked down the stairs quickly, but in silence. I guess that's a good reason to see this through, I said at last. It isn't a good reason, said Jack, but it's a reason. And it isn't like we were going to stop anyway. So, do you like comedy? If you do, then Friday Follies might be just the feed for you. From the Mutual Audio Network, every Friday we bring you a selection of hilarious audio drama. And you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. Just search for Friday Follies, or you could subscribe to the main Mutual Audio Network feed. It's up to you. Find us there. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining. Together.